capital. Okay? Uh, I'm glad to see you all here. And I'm glad we have in a, a diversity in our membership. And God is good. Okay? He sure is good. Today, I'm going to talk about uh, for religious liberty, I'm going to talk about uh, the land of promise. Uh, I got this a, a, a couple of days ago. I read about five stories out of religious liberty and since I had about 15 minutes to say it, I couldn't give some of them. But anyhow, the land of promise. In, in uh, about 1902, uh, Louis, uh, uh, the... Uh, not Louis, not Louis. Uh, uh, the Pope of of England uh, of Rome came out and said that United States should be a Catholic entity. They should lead the world in missionary work and getting people in the church because they were the mother church. They were the only church that we should worship in. And they made a lot of statement about that, statements about that. Uh, for instance, uh, in the 1900, uh, around when Roosevelt came in, power, he uh, wanted the Catholic Church to be part of the United States. And most Protestants protested that and uh, said no. But you know that we have ambassadors to Italy. And the ambassador, to be an ambassador to Italy, you have to be a Catholic. Most people do not know that. You know, and, uh, and you have to be chosen and approved. Anyway, that was just a, a side thing I want to put on you. The land of promise. The Roman hierarchy has long looked upon America as the promised land which they would take full possession of in due time. Okay, that's the plan. That's the master plan. And uh, different people have come up with sayings to back that. In 18, 1870, Harper's Weekly magazine, a pretty popular magazine in the world, came out and, 
and says that we're going to take over the United States. And in our Bible studies, which says studying last day events, one of the things that we came up with is that in the last days, before Jesus comes again, the Catholic Church is going to take over everything. We have to change to first day worship. Sunday worship. Now, that's a little hits my irritability button because as a younger fella, I used to go to a thing called confraternity. And confraternity is where you learn Catholicism. And I went because there was a lot of girls there. And we had dancing. So we learned the catechism. I could dance. You know, I could mambo and I could uh, uh, bolero and I could do uh, uh, what they call the fish and other dances like that. I used to, and I still love music and I like good singers. Some of the stuff that they put out now, people don't sing. They shout, and I'm not, not a shout man. I hear to hear uh, if I hear uh, a Spanish song, for instance, I like to hear people like Los Panchos Trio because I like to slow dance. <laughs> you know. Anyway, uh, I saw a lot of things that I didn't like. For instance, one day they sent me to the rectory where the priests hang out. And I opened the door, and there was a cloud of smoke. Mightier than what Lone Ranger gave. <laughs> it was a mass of smoke. And then uh, I was in St. John's Pool. It's a big university in, in New York. And they had a big pool out there. And I'm going there. I'm trying to see if I can go, uh, excuse me, but cop a field from a girl. And the priest was beating me to it. I said, what? You know, so I learned right away, man, this one for me. I wasn't a strong thing, but I went to learn about it. But I, I knew this was not right. So that was my first lesson, in, and they told me that this was the way you had, to, you had to do what the Catholics said. And then my wife, who was a Puerto Rican, uh, wanted to marry, so she wanted to marry in the church. I go to church, and I'm supposed to sign my life away. My kids had to become Catholic and all that. And I, as a young guy, I questioned stuff like that. And I didn't, it just seemed wrong to me, you know. And, and I had to be obligated to somebody. I didn't even know what they do, you know. Anyway, it went along like that for a while. And um, I didn't, I married, no, I married in all certain so 
church was an Anglican church in uh, New York. And I, I didn't go Catholic-wise. The hope of the Catholic Church is that America would eventually become the leading Catholic nation in the world and has been uh, fondly cherishing that idea. And uh, different popes have said that and different um, uh, priests. There was one named uh, Kelly. I said, oh, my goodness. (laughs) And he declared that all the schools in the United States should turn turn Catholic. And he he started uh, the first educational center here in the United States. You know, and different ones uh, came up with different things like that. Uh, in Washington, the third Washington Conference uh, mission, which was a Catholic uh, thing, issued a pamphlet with the mission movement in America for the publication we take rather striking quotations. The spirit of the mission movement in America is the spirit of St. Francis de Sales. It excludes all controversies, so you're not supposed to argue with them. <laughs> you know? And it condemns all rancorous religious discussion. So the word that the Catholic Church put out that's where it's at. You're supposed to stop there, and you don't question them. And you don't argue in any way against it. So um, uh, that went along for a while. Pope Leo XIII declared that everybody in the United States should be Catholic. And freedom of expression is not really permitted. It's frowned upon. You know. So if you become a Catholic, you gotta know what you're taking care of. Contrary to what it is to be an Adventist, Adventist you can uh, argue and question uh, like I do here in the morning at Sabbath school. But we have a lot of uh, discussions that would not go on in the Catholic Church, you know. And uh, they have practices like they can forgive you. The priest can forgive your sin. And right now, you don't have to pray to Jesus anymore. Uh, You just pray to Mary, and she will forgive your sin. So there's a lot of customs that they have that we wonder about as Adventists. But what I'm really scared about is the latter-day thing. And uh, we will, whole churches <coughs> will give up their faith and start worshiping how the Catholic works. 
literature. Sunday law or first day worship is going to come. It's, it's, it's a matter of fact. If you don't know it, you, you better look it up. Um, some Like right now, in New York, in Boston, in uh, Pennsylvania, and most of the United States, you cannot start a ball game on Sunday before 1 o'clock. I used to wonder about it. I, I'm a ball player. I love playing ball. I, I want to go out and play. No, we can't do it before 1 o'clock. You know? And it's practice in a lot of places. Uh, some places they're letting that slide a little and they, they'll come back, particularly now with modern football and the NFL. They can start early games. But when I was a kid, you couldn't, the Yankees couldn't start before 1 o'clock. Neither the Dodgers or the Mets in New York anyway, you know. So the devil is creeping in on us. Bible says he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, whom he may eat up. And uh, that's the history that's going on more and more. Uh, what was I saying? Uh, and uh, they're backing their stuff by influencing people. In September, the Pope came here. Most of you know about that. He's the first Pope that ever talked to both houses at the same time. Now, when have you, Indians have problems and all that. When have you ever heard them even address one of the houses? You know, they don't back them. They're starving, having trouble. <coughs> it's not, but we recognize that the whole world will worship him is said in the Bible. So how do we follow him that way? You know? And uh, it's a phenomenon that we don't question and we let go and go and go. The problem is also Protestantism is apostatizing. Mo how many, uh, one of these guys here, uh, uh, the guy said F. Kelly, who is a, a, a monsieur or something like that, he said that if we got rid of Protestantism in England and United States, they would have a more rapid take over the United States. And he's not an Adventist, you know. So how much are we prostatizing? How, how, how much are we holding up the banner? 
you know, when I was younger, we used to MV meetings. Uh, and we sang this missionary volunteers. We are missionary volunteers. Da, 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 dee, dee, dee. Anyway, uh, we sung songs that recognized the church. And we questioned things. Oh, we got, uh, don't offend them now is the motto today. Don't offend them. Don't hurt them. We got to be bold. We have to stand up and tell it like it is. You know, exactly like it is. And don't be afraid you're going to offend somebody. If you're telling <coughs> God's word, it don't matter if you offend them. You back in Jesus. You back in uh, Jehovah. You're back in the Holy Spirit. Say so we should hold on to the banner, and and press forward because terrible times are coming. You know what happens when they say. I'm going to take your kid if you don't worship on Sunday. How are you going to back that? If you have the faith of Job or Abraham in you, you're going to lose. You know? So think about where you stand with Jesus, where you stand with the Holy Spirit. How high is your flag held up? Because that's going to come down. And you won't be able to worship when you want. You have to run to the hills and hide in your house. You have to have secret worship. And the bottom line is whom you're going to worship. Whom will you choose to serve today? And be a Daniel. There was a song we used to sing, uh, I would be a Daniel or something like that. You remember? Yeah, dare to be a Daniel. So in your personal life, in what you look at every day, do you dare to be a Daniel? I'm scared to do it. But I know I should do it. And I want to be a Daniel, a strong Daniel, okay? Not no weaky, wishy-washy stuff, you know? So anyway, um, uh, that's the lesson. You have a church that wants to take over the world, and they're they going to do it. There's some stuff that's going to go in the United States that's just amazing. And come to the class after that we have every Sabbath. Now, this good lady teaches. I'm glad she's here because it reminds me. And it I become cognitive of what is going down. And I want to know what is going down. Thank you. Oh, by the way, 
I want to sing a little song. The blood, the blood of Jesus who died for me. It will never lose its power. It will never lose it for it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. The blood will flow from day to day. It will never, never lose its power. Okay, um, the offerings for this Sabbath, the loose offerings for this Sabbath, is allocated to the religious liberty and the world budget. I grew up in the Seventh-day Adventists. I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse. Because some of you, <clears throat> some of you came from other organizations and have the experience of the difference. I didn't have that experience. Um, and I grew up in the church, and I know the, um, the liberty, the religious liberty department of our general conference and our conferences has always existed it because we know we, we are Bible studiers, and we know that the Bible says that in the end time, there's going to be only two sides, and, and one thing is going to divide them is the, is the day of worship. It's all about worship. And uh, one of the things that it never dawned on me is that our organization has the legal department that's called Religious Liberty, and I never pay attention to that department until one time that I needed it. I don't know those. I don't know who received the recorder. Um, if you don't receive the recorder, please let the secret the, the secret the clerk know. So she can request it. Personally, we have not received a recorder in many, many years. So, um, and I didn't know how that works until Pastor Daniel told me, no, you need to let the, the clerk know. Oh, okay. So now we know. Um, the reason why um, I want to emphasize the importance of religious liberty is not only just today to give an offering for, for that department, but I urge you that more frequently throughout your, um, when you sit down and decide where you're going to donate uh, your gift, your thanks to God, think about the religious liberty department because they are the one that protects a lot of members and even non-members about their spiritual freedom. I would like to read um, a story in the recorder, March 2010. And the reason why I would like to bring that up is because it, it, it went very close to me, very, very close to me. And I'm going to read it. Um, I could tell the story, but then uh, re the Religious Liberty Department wrote this article, very well written, and I think they can explain that a little bit better, and that way it will keep me in time. And I'm going to read um, the story. And ho I pray that... The reason why I'm reading this story is not to boast, but to pray that when the time comes, we all can stand, make a stand, and choose God versus man. It says, Tuesday morning, January 5th, 5th as Angela Morosky got ready for work, 
and make it bigger. She was filled with anxiety. She works at a small rural mental health clinic and derived great satisfaction from the help she is able to provide people in her community. But this was not an ordinary workday. She had been given two weeks notice of her termination and January 5th was to be her last day because she had asked to be relieved of a Saturday rotation so that she could keep the Sabbath. A few days before Christmas, Marie Angeli called the Pacific Union Department of Public Affairs and Religious Liberty for help. She outlined her work as a therapist in a clinic and how she had been willing to take emergency on call duties on Sabbath because she felt it was appropriate healing ministry consistent with Jesus' example. She reported that a new Saturday rotation was being added, requiring staff to transfer patients from different places. She would be required to work about one Saturday in five, so every five weeks, one Saturday. But she objected to this work as a violation of her Sabbath. The employer had rejected her request for religious accommodation, telling her that if she did not work, she would have be resigned. Four months earlier, Mariangeli's husband had lost his job. The family was now depending on her as an only breadwinner. She began to feel the pressure and turned to the Lord in prayer. She also turned to the church state council, council, the Adventist Church Religious Liberty Ministry in the Southwest, devoted to helping members with disemployment problems. She visited the website www.churchstate.org, where she found sample letters to further urge her case to the employer. She submitted a very articulated explanation of how the employer could easily cover the needed employers could easily cover the needed Saturday duties without including her in the rotation and without unduly burdening anyone else. In fact, her co-workers were willing to, to help as well. Her supervisor took this request up to the chain of command, but the answer still came back in the negative. Either she agreed to work the Saturday rotation one Saturday every five, or she will have to resign, effective January the 5th. Mariangeli kept praying and enlisted the support of her church. On Monday, January the 4th, PARL direct director Alan Reynash crafted a letter on Mariangeli's behalf designed to enlist the goodwill and cooperation of the supervisor in order to, pre to preserve a positive employment relationship, while clearly informing him that the company's position was illegal and would be contested if it was not charged or changed. And at that point, I didn't know they did that. It was in intended to keep the peace, not to start a war court. The letter was sent later in, that, in the day on the 4th of January and read at 6.04 a.m. on the 5th. When she arrived at work, her supervisor informed Marie Angeli that she would be removed from the Saturday rotation and could keep her job. I want to thank the attorney for taking the time to review my notes and writing the letters said Marie Angeli. God used it in the positive way. My work allowed me to stay at work and they are going to respect my Saturdays. 
Not every case ends so smoothly, but many do. The church state council is ready to help. For information, you can call the department. More of the things that this report didn't say was, on that day, I remember uh, I, I arrived, my husband came with me to pick up all my things in the office. And I was not told that I could stay until probably at one o'clock where I already have everything packed. And one of the things that I can tell you is it was not easy. I found myself, um, you know, I could rationalize saying, you know, one Sabbath every five is not a big deal, you know. I am the only one working in the house, and God will understand. And many nights I spent praying and saying, you know, Lord, what am I going to do? It came to the point that as I prayed that I will be able to do again in the future, that if I have to choose, I will choose God. And the decision was not easy, but one thing I learned was I needed to give up and I needed to trust God. It came that morning, uh, two weeks before, I got up and said, God, if it's your will that we end up homeless, let it be, because I know you're going to protect us. And when I went that day and I talked with my supervisor, and I said, I'm sorry, I, I cannot work on Sabbath. You know, I can donate because in the past I donated my time and help. And one of the things that we provided to the supervisor, to the owners was I was willing to do it for free. I was willing to, um, to take my rotation as long as was not paid. And I also, and then he said, no, you have to be paid. I said, okay. And I said, okay. And then some other coworkers said, you know, I presented another case. My coworkers are willing to do double shifting for me. I said, no, or you work or you resign. So at that day, I turned my resignation, uh, for my two weeks resignation. And at that point, I walked, you know, learning to trust God. And one of the things that, that taught me is that it was not easy, and I know in the end time will be worse, but one of the things that is important is to remember who you stand for. There is no middle ground. And one of the things that is very easy to do is to rationalize things. But what, what that is making is you're not trusting in God. And that's what God wants. Now I can say when all that ordeal happened, I can thank God for what happened because he taught me a lesson that God does take care of his children. And in that occasion, it happened that he did. And I know that sometimes it might not happen. But it's my prayer that everyone here, when the time comes, I really pray, and I include myself in it, will be strong enough in the spirit that we can say, even if God kills me, I will never, I will never step, um, go away from him. And, and for this, um, we're going to sing 
the song 100 while the deacons pick up the offerings. And I pray that the, the loose offering is going to be for the Liberty Department and World Budget, but I also um, encourage that everyone give every so often offerings for that department because as the end time gets closer, more and more of our church members and all the other organizations will need their assistance. So as they're, we're going to pray for the offerings, and then we're going to sing the hymn number 100, Great is Thy Faithfulness, as the deacons pass forward. <laughs> 